0: investment advisory services offered through Daniel Meyer, a registered investment advisor. During this show, Daniel Meyer provides general information, not individually targeted, personalized advice, and is not liable for the usage of information discussed. Exposure to ideas and products or services should not be considered investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any of these financial vehicles. This information should also not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate, and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory services. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company and are offered through Forge Private Wealth. By contacting Forge Private Wealth, you may be provided information regarding the purchase of insurance products.
1: There are many questions on the web about financial planning and saving for retirement. Many of these questions financial advisors encounter on a daily basis. Coming up next, we'll cover the most searched financial planning questions, provide answers, and some useful insights. Welcome in to Capital Insights with Daniel Meyer. The solution set is going to be designed in such a way that it's helping bridge the gap between where the client is and where they want to go. Your retirement matters. One size never fits all. There's no one approach in financial planning. There's no one investment solution or product solution that should fit more people than it's designed for. He has the heart of an educator. There's a lot of different pieces to the puzzle. And now, Capital Insights.
0: This is Capital Insights with Daniel Meyer. I'm consumer advocate Steve Chirall. Uh Daniel is a fiduciary. He's been helping folks for nearly 20 years get to and through retirement. He's uh, You'll find him at the website, forgepw.com. That's forgepw.com. And we have... Uh, hi, Dan. How's it going?
1: It's going great. How are you?
0: Very well, thank you. Um, I like this. Uh, you know, it's... <laughs> I mean, it's when we're going to go through some basics, right? Just some basic questions that you get, and that's kind of what what prompted you to want to do this. Um, and And certainly, you know, you go to Google and you search for uh, financial planning. Oh, have you ever done that? Holy cow. It's scary. yeah.
1: <laughs> financial advisor or financial planning, I mean, yeah. talk about two, you know, names or words where you're going to get a million different results, and it's very tough to tell you know, what am I actually going to get? Or what does this mean? Right? Right. Um, So and I'd have to say, it's not just confined to a Google search. I I think also, in some cases, you could go out and interview two or three financial professionals that use the title financial advisor and have two or three different experiences.
0: Well, I'll bet you Um, could.
1: Yeah. And, you know, from talking to me from some time now, I mean, obviously, I have a preferred way of working and things that I see as, you know, not a not a, I'm not saying our approach is always the best approach or that our way is always better than the competition. But, right, I do think that uh, we can go through some useful details today and help people that are out there wondering, you know, what is a financial advisor and what could they do for me and what could it mean for me?
0: All right. right? Well, we culled down the uh, the list of, uh, you know, 8 billion returns uh, from Google and DuckDuckGo. Uh, I came up with these questions and I think you'll be, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure you can answer them all. Let's, uh, because they're all about you. Well, not you personally, but all about, you know, being an advisor. Right,
1: right. All right. So let's jump
0: right in. Let's sure. jump right so in. So let me ask you the first question. It's what is a financial advisor and what can a financial advisor do for me? All right. It's <laughs> a loaded question.
1: Right. I mean, a financial advisor obviously helps you, you know, grow your wealth and helps you achieve whatever financial goals you may have. Um, they're going to, you know, in many cases have different approaches or, you know, methods, solutions in doing this, but You know ultimately you know hopefully they're going to take a financial planning approach help further define what your goals are no matter what stage you're at in life figure out what makes sense based on the plan you have to uh, in terms of action steps today to help align you so that you're on track to meet your goals and then over time they're going to help you you know manage decisions with your portfolio with you know covering the different risks with insurances and just adjust Based on the changing market and your changing situation, so that you know you're always making the most of uh, you know the money that you're making and saving.
0: What do you think is people's hesitation to want to sit down with you, and not you personally, but I'm just saying in general to meet with an advisor?
1: Um, well, I mean, just like a lot of things in life, there's always a reason to wait till tomorrow. Okay. Right. Yep. You're right. Um, I, I I hear the comment a lot. You know, Dan, I've got X going in my life. You know, it might be a, a a family member who's got an illness and, and not that these things aren't serious or, you know, maybe they've just got a, a home improvement project they're working on now. Um, you name the the life thing that they're focused on. Once I get that taken care of and squared away, um, I'll be ready to come in and, and talk All or right. have the, you know, take the next step, whatever it is. And I, I, again, I hate to point out what often happens, especially if you're listening and sometimes you tend to say things like that, because I do too, right, depending on what I'm looking to do. Um, But I I often find that once that, you know, life event is now taken care of, there's usually another one that pops up. And it again, is something that gets pushed off into the future. And ultimately, when we do end up sitting down and talking, many times, uh, we agree that, you know, we should have taken care of this a long time ago. Mm -hmm. So
0: well, how do I know, how do I pick an advisor? What are the, uh, I mean, I know personally, I know what I want, but what do you think a person should have to see in an advisor?
1: Uh, well, first off, I think um, making sure that an advisor is going to operate, um, you know, with the standard of being a fiduciary is really important. Make sure that they're going to be making decisions that are within your best interest. Um, also, this opinion is somewhat unique to me, but I do think that, Um, Also making sure that you understand, you know, what are your connections to um, potential product companies, specific investments? Do you lean into using certain things specifically or are you completely objective in your approach is really important, right? Right. Regardless of how they take the financial planning approach, making sure then that the solutions that they use to implement that plan um, are going to be the best that they can then find for you and not that there's a select list that they're using.
0: Okay. So, I mean, just arbitrarily, do we just, you know, look online or maybe people just hear the radio show and they want to give you a call, right? I mean, that that's kind of what it's all about.
1: Right. I mean, one of the, you know, reasons we do this, Steve, right, is hopefully people that are listening hear the conversation we're having, um, understand the, you know, the objective approach that we take to all these things and and find appeal in it. But, Um, you know, if you go online and just, you know, Google financial advisor in your, you know, area, you, you really don't know what you're going to come across. Exactly. Exactly. Um, So I think, um, what I found to be more comfortable is, you know, if you, first off, if you're listening and you're asking this question, obviously give us a call, we'll sit down and talk. That's a great way to start this. But, um, more generally, I think it's great to find someone that a family member or a friend, has had a good experience with, can tell you the results that they've gotten. You get a little bit of a personal review and critique, um, and that helps instill some initial trust so that you can start the process. Of
0: course, and so let's say I've got my first meeting scheduled, and uh, what do I need to bring? Do I, you know? Do I have to bring in every statement I've ever received? What?
1: What do we do? Yeah, I think if you bring every statement, it might be a bit overwhelming, <laughs> a right? Bit, yeah, right. First off, probably the most important thing is, um, you know if you're, you know, married, or if you have a partner, if you've got someone that your, you know, financial future is, you know, you're, you're planning together, make sure that you both come to the meeting, right? This is an important conversation. Um, we should have it as a group um, with everybody there at the table, so that all voices are heard. And that future picture is as clear as possible.
0: It really is You're right
1: with you're right with the statement thing as well, though, right? Yeah. Um, bring a statement or two of you know, the investments that you currently have. Um, I also think if it's not too much work, um, depending on what you've done recently, if you've recently gone through the process of doing maybe an estate update with your estate documents, um, or if you've got questions on your tax return, um, it never hurts to bring those in, you know, the more information, the better. Uh, But if nothing else, you know, make sure, you know, kind of that family unit, if you know, if you're an individual or if you have a partner, or if you're married, that you come together, and that you have a clear understanding of how things sit so even if you don't have a statement you know if i start to ask you questions about um what you own what you owe what your cash flow looks like we can at least be in the ballpark so that we can have uh, a conversation with good context and give you some initial feedback
0: of course and so you you talked about the importance of bringing your your spouse and even if that spouse isn't really interested I mean, you're right. I think it's important for them to hear that, but it's, it's, how do you drive that point home that you really need to talk to both people?
1: Well, when it comes to being interested in, you know, maybe reviewing investment statements or looking at current balances, I get that some people, you know, I've, I've got clients that, and, and, and not a stereotype, but I've got um, quite a few clients that are engineers by trade and they keep spreadsheets, they keep tabs and they love to review the data right? Mm -hmm. Um, I've got others I work with that they only look at it when we sit down and talk. Um, And so I make sure that they're not, you know, that they're informed and they understand what they have and what's happening. Um, But it takes all kinds and everybody has different interests. But I think if you've got a couple where one is engaged in, you know, kind of the financial process and the other one is not, um, they don't necessarily have to share the same passion for the process or the tracking, but Having um, a voice in painting that future picture so that they both understand and both agree what it looks like is the part that can kind of engage everybody, right? Um, If you have, you know, a couple where maybe the husband or the wife is the one that says they'll take point and run things, um, it's not always the case that they see what the future holds the same in terms of how they want to spend their time or what they want to do. And I think that's where we can really, you know, make sure they're both on the same page of course engaging in the process.
0: Absolutely. And um, so that's the first meeting. I'll tell you what, why don't we, I know it's a little early, but let's take a break and we can, live because I want to continue this um, in, in the next segment as well, because we're going to get into uh, how you get paid and that that's a, that's a story in and of itself, right?
1: It is. And it's an important distinction because when you go out and meet with somebody, it tells you a lot, not just about how they're compensated, but how they're compensated tells you um, maybe what some of their focuses are and what their objectives are. But we'll cover that next, like you said.
0: All right. Well, in the meantime, let's go ahead and and, uh, invite folks to call and uh, fill up those spots on the calendar.
1: Perfect. Well, you know, we're talking about the most asked questions uh, and we're staying fairly, you know, Fairly high level at this point, Steve, right? But, Mm -hmm. you know, this is an incredibly important process and an important conversation. Uh, And I can't stress enough that the most important step you can take uh, to making improvements in your financial situation is the first step. It's setting up that meeting, sitting down with an advisor and having the conversation and starting to align things. Um, So we offer this, this first step. Um, It's a complimentary, no cost, no obligation financial review You get three things in this initial meeting when we sit down with you. First, you get a fee report and a risk assessment to help you recognize unnecessary losses in your portfolio and to see if by protecting your retirement investment, you could experience dramatic growth potential, right? Secondly, we'll perform a tax analysis to reveal how you could possibly reduce your taxes in the future and increase increase your potential cash flow as a result. Uh, Lastly, we'll provide a customized income plan. Uh, this will be unique to you and the income you already have set up for yourself in retirement. Um, aligning that with how you plan on spending money in retirement, if there's any gap there, we'll look to fill it by committing as few of your assets as possible so we can still be focused on you know, the growth side of your portfolio. Ultimately, it's you know the comprehensive review that includes these things. is just a way to get that alignment of where someone is and where they like to go. So um, we'd love to sit down with you. If you're listening, give us a call. We'll find a time that works for you to come in and uh, see what opportunities there are for you specifically.
0: All right, uh, Daniel, go ahead. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 888-908-0503. A chance to put together a financial roadmap. And if you've never done it before, no time like the present. It really is a true practical financial review. It starts with a phone call. 888 888- 908 503 You'll get that comprehensive financial review that Daniels has described. And you will find now that you have a roadmap that can help get you to where you need to be when it comes to retirement. 888-908-0503. 888 A quick break for us, but when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about the most asked questions of financial advisors. We're going to get down to the nitty-gritty with Daniel Meyer. It happens next. We are back on Capital Insights with Daniel Meyer, I'm consumer advocate, advocate Steve Siddall. And Daniel has been helping folks for a good long while, getting to and through retirement, and you have uh, really established yourself as somebody that that you you really are building yourself in the community. And I know you're I know you're involved with nonprofits. I know you're involved in a lot of things, and that's important too. And I think that really uh, you know speaks to you and, and your character and and who you
1: are as a person. Well, I appreciate that uh, that you saying that. I mean, part of, you know, being a financial advisor is you really have to enjoy people, you have to enjoy working with people, helping people, um, helping them, you know, feel confident and taking the steps needed to get where they want to go. I mean, uh, and it's very fulfilling for me, right. Um, and times of my life, when I've been able to be a coach, and you know, athletic situations, um, I feel the same type of satisfaction. And, you know, Taking what I know, helping someone advance in, you know, their ability to perform in a sport or to get fast at something or to get some technical know-how. I mean, um, right now I do work with one of the local rowing clubs and I love helping just make sure that the young people there have the best resources available to them so that they can make the most of their potential career in the sport of rowing. And, um, you know, beyond that, just a passion to, you know, for when we see organizations that also help people, especially those that that need that, you know, hand up and that, you know, assistance to get, you know, further along in terms of, uh, you know, taking charge of their own life, but they can't, you know, at the time for whatever reason, do it on their own. I, I love being a part of that. So, you know, it. it all these things are not unrelated. It's just something I enjoy and I really love.
0: And, and again, it's, it's clear, obviously. And one of the questions that you get, and I know this can, can get kind of a little tricky, it doesn't with you because you're very transparent, but we're talking about, you know, how when meeting with a financial advisor and you're my guy, how much are you going to get paid and, and how does that work?
1: Right. So how an advisor gets paid, like I um, started uh, to mention earlier, is it's not just telling because of, you know, you want to make sure you understand, all right, on an annual basis, how much are you going to make from serving me? Right. And is that, is that a fair amount? Is it not fair? I mean, that's for the client to decide, but also where is it charged and how, and does that tell me maybe what your focus is as a financial professional, um, and not to oversimplify this, but really there's a couple of ways. Um, one is fee-based, um, where there's a flat percentage uh, fee that is charged for the portfolio management side of the service. Um, the advisor only makes more when you do better. They make less when uh, when you take a hit, potentially. Um, it's a fixed percentage, and it's also only charged when you are actively engaged in working with the advisor. Um, so if you are to work with someone for, let's say, six months or two years, um, it's going to be, that fee is going to be prorated for the amount of time the advisor was serving you, which I really, that's one of the details that I really like, meaning you're not gonna pay for something that you're not getting. Sure. Um, there's also uh, commission work that can be done. Um, a lot of times this is where there is a specific need that is filled with a, a product solution. Um, this may be an upfront commission or uh, it can take many forms. Um, and it's really important to know, you know, if you're working with an advisor, is that's a focus of theirs or is that something that may come about as a result of a specific need where it's the best fit solution? And I I don't have a problem with either of those things. I mean, there's a time and a place and the the financial solution should be the focus and the compensation for the advisor should be secondary to that, you know, right fit solution for the client. Um, Some only work in one side or the other, some kind of have a blend and work in both. Um, I tend to find that, uh, well, my primary service is very much fee-based, um, you know, we take the financial planning process seriously. And when there's something that is best for the client, uh, where the compensation for the work that we're doing does involve a commission, I mean, because it was the step that we, you know, thought was best for the client, it's, we're still going to take that step. We're not going to step back and say, you know what, that compensation is not one that we, you know, we're looking for, right? Right. We'll put the solutions in place that we think are best. And, uh, you know, as a result of that, we're always transparent to the client about what the costs are prior to them taking any step that they're going to take with us. Mm-hmm.
0: And again, so the so all of that, you know, like you said, you're very transparent, and and if there is, I mean, again, it just makes sense, and because you make sure that people understand that before they leave that first meeting, right?
1: Right. Yeah. Right. And just to be clear, because we're talking about cost, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there is no cost for that first meeting. The first meeting is really, uh, I mean, if the the idea there is that you're coming in to interview the advisor. The advisor is there as the person interviewing for an opportunity. You're really asking the questions. They're hoping to get the honor of serving you. Um, They're not gonna bill you for the option to be interviewed by you and potentially be hired by you. And at least they shouldn't. Um, That being said, beyond the first meeting, depending on the model that the the advisor uses regarding planning, investing, you know, all of those things, the fee structure may be different after that, but you definitely shouldn't be paying um, just to have them, uh, you know, really be able to make the case for how they could help you.
0: Of course. And uh, so as, people are we kind of went through the first what happens in the first meeting but so let's move on so okay i like what i ha- i like what you're saying i like how you're saying it you've got to know me a little bit what happens at meeting number 2
1: right so let's let's there's a couple different ways that it goes and everyone's situation is different but let me just stick to kind of a standard format that we go through right okay so we had that first meeting you know the main thing we established is that we're going to move forward um, from there we're going to need to gather quite a bit of information even if they brought statements, um, other documents to that first meeting, um, we really need to round that out with all the details. Um, and so that second meeting is really for, to oversimplify it, it's kind of a data gathering um, you know, meeting where we're gonna go through everything that the clients provided us. And we've got a lot of convenient ways to get this from them. We can um, get this information from them in a digital format. They can fill out a packet and bring it back. But this is when I go through with a, a fine tooth comb and start to really ask questions so that I've got proper context for everything that they own, own, on income that they have expenses that they have so that we can then go back and provide and produce the most accurate financial plan that we can. Right. And that leads us into that third meeting, which is where we really go through initial recommendations of how to build that foundation that we're going to operate from moving forward. Right. So, um, Steps we need to take with their investments, maybe realigning some of their insurance coverages, uh, making sure that we're getting the best deal on everything from a cost standpoint, so that as we work going forward, um, that understanding of what our objectives are and what the moving parts are, are clear between the client and the advisor. All right.
0: And um, so as you, as you work with folks, um, do you find that some people have more than one advisor? Is that a fairly common thing?
1: Um, I would say it's not the majority, okay. but it's not uncommon at all. All right. Um, and that's really also to the client's preference. Um, some feel like, uh, "Hey, I don't want to have all my eggs in one basket," and that has to, you know, that pertains to financial advice and direction. Um, others feel like, "Hey, I, I don't know that I need to be engaging two advisors fully to make sure I'm getting the advice that's needed." Um, I would say also though that if you are working with an advisor and it's not just a, you know, kind of a solo operation. Even if the advisor is in an office with several other advisors, and maybe there's a client service support team there in place, um, I think it's useful to see, okay, well, who makes the investment decisions? Who's doing the financial planning details? Who helps me when, on the flip side, I I need to call in and and get a, a small distribution taken from my account? Do I talk to the advisor or do I talk to the team? And many times I find that if you operate as part of a larger team that you know serves all the different areas of you know financial solutions, you know the tax side, the estate side, the portfolio management side, separate from the advisor, having a committee that does that, um, in some cases it eliminates that need to feel like I have to have a second opinion and a second advisor working with another half of maybe my portfolio um to, as a kind of a check against against the person they're working with.
0: All right, 8889080503. And uh, so let's talk robo advisors for a second. People are talking about that. I mean, everybody's concerned about AI. Are they taking over the financial world?
1: I don't think they are. Oh, At good. least not yet, right? <laughs> but you know, you can't turn on uh, you know, depending on the news that you listen, you know, watch or listen to, or uh, if you listen to certain podcasts, I mean, some people think AI is about to take over the world, much less the financial industry. But, you know, in a more serious manner, I the robo advisor setup has been in place long before this AI, um, you know, kind of right, available, publicly available AI had really been started. And that craze that we've seen had really been sparked. And the robo advisor setup is really more of a just hands off investment management strategy. It can be lower cost, um, but it's also going to be, um, it's not gonna take into account anything that's unique to you. It's not gonna take into account your tax situation, your planning needs. Um, it also is gonna be a bit more of a static process. So it won't um, necessarily make adjustments uh, based on you know historical trends and what we see happening in the market. Um, it will possibly rebalance for you and every one of them is different. But I do find that when I talk to clients, um, even now with you know, AI being put into the equation, um, they ultimately want a person you know, in charge and making the final call on things. So I think we may see some AI assisted processes come in place for advisors, but I don't see the AI as the final decision maker on anything, at least not in the near future.
0: So when it comes to uh, picking a, a financial advisor, you said, you know, interview a couple, that kind of thing. At what age do we want to start talking to someone like you who works that transition into distribution and preservation of, my, of our money?
1: That's a great question. And the answer is uh, the earlier, the better, right? Okay. Um, when we think about time in retirement from when you retire on you want it to be a benefit to you you want a long healthy retirement of 30 40 40 plus years to be something you can celebrate the entire time Um, and not to be a burden because you lived long and you are risking outliving your assets but in order to ensure that that's the case the more time an advisor has to work with you from when you start the work together to when you pull the trigger and retire the more of an impact they can make right so if you're and that being said If you're a couple of years out from retirement or you're retiring now, there's a lot of things we could do. But in the meantime, if you're 10, 15 years out, it's definitely not too early and we can definitely help you.
0: All right. And in fact, uh, Daniel, why don't we invite folks to call right now and uh, we'll take a
1: break. That sounds great. Well, talking about that timeline being 10, 15, 20 years possibly out from retirement or maybe being 5, 10 years into it and working a plan and just wondering if there's something you could do that's more efficient. Um, we can help you regardless of where you're at in that timeline. Um, Our approach may be different, our solutions may be different, but that's why we have a team approach where we can lean on the different specialists that we have to accommodate different situations that people may have going on. Setting up a first meeting to come in, get a feel for what our team is, what our functional capacity is, how we can help you is always a great first step. And I encourage everyone that's listening to take that step. Um, We set aside time every week because we're passionate for helping people and we want to see what you've got going and how we can help you. Um, There's no obligation, no cost. And even if you don't end up hiring us, Hopefully you'll leave that first meeting feeling more informed and uh, more able to, you know, accomplish the things that you're looking to accomplish. So give us a call. Let's set up. It's a time to sit down and chat. 888-908-0503.
0: 908 503 And we are going to take a break. But when we come back, just because you turn 65 doesn't mean you have to retire. Really? All right. When we come back, uh, we've got 10 reasons why that statement is true. Capital Insights with Daniel Meyer. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Capital Insights with Daniel Meyer. I'm consumer advocate Steve Sadal We've uh, just kind of gone through those last two segments, Daniel. Great stuff. In terms of just sort of financial advisor 101, in terms of just getting where we want to go, understanding what you do, how you do it. I was probably
1: thought I was pretty informative. I'm glad. Yeah, it's, it's funny because these are, like you said, some of the most Googled questions about financial planning or financial advisors, and they may seem simple, some of the explanations, but I mean, having a clear understanding of what an advisor actually is and what they could do for you um, is important because in some cases, and I know that. You know, if I wasn't in the profession, I, I sometimes wonder if I would think this, right? Um, mm-hmm. I understand money. I understand investments. Why do I need a professional? Right. Or I, I, I've got a 401k. I've got an IRA. I'm contributing. Why do I need to sit down with someone and have them assess if I'm doing it correctly? Because you right? don't have a
0: plan if you just got those accounts.
1: Right. It's kind of like saying, hey, um, I haven't been to the doctor in a couple of years. Um, But I feel healthy now. Why would I need a well check? Right? Well, (laughs) you don't know what you don't know. Um, And also sometimes, you know, the fear of what you might find, you just you you, you don't want to know, even though knowing would potentially be better for you. Right? Mm -hmm. It's the uh, having that faith and taking that step and saying, you know, no, regardless of what I'm doing, there's a possibility I could be doing better. And meeting with an advisor might help me see that. And they might also be able to help me realize, you know, and take the steps that would actually get me more on on track. It, it's it's worth the time, believe me.
0: All right, well, let's talk about uh, making the decision to retire. And and you know, I mentioned the sixty five, and because that really is the number that that's in all of our heads. It's been there forever, it seems. But sixty five is not the year you retire or the age you retire. I mean, you can certainly, but I mean, as early as 62, as late as 70, let's, uh, I mean, again, and in order to do that, maybe you've reached your savings goal.
1: Yeah. So in talking about reasons why 65 wouldn't be the number, right? Yeah. Um, there's so many different reasons why, and some people Steve have plenty of money to retire. They've reached your savings goal. And, you know, in this instance, maybe they're only 59 or 58, but they've got the amount necessary to retire and have a long, healthy retirement based on what they're looking to do, Um, then it's just a question of lifestyle, a question of um, really figuring out what would be the most fulfilling way for you to spend your time. And, you know, the other way to look at it then is, okay, I could keep working and then the resources I'll have on a monthly basis in retirement may be higher and I might be able to live a retirement, you know, a little bit beyond what I was initially picturing. There's, there's so many different ways to frame this and it's always unique to the client, but um, that's why the number 65, in my opinion, is really kinda, you know, any of those, you know, rule of thumb standards, I find somewhat obsolete at this point because we're not taking a one size fits all approach to any of this. Right. Mm -hmm. And again, You may also say, okay, I'm I'm looking at uh, retirement. I'm not 65 yet. And again, like you said, I've reached my savings goal. Um, Or if I haven't, maybe I adjust my expectations down. Now I still have enough money to retire because I'd rather be done working than have the retirement I was previously planning for. There is no one solution, Um, but that's also the the clarity that we hope to bring in the conversations we have with clients not just the numbers, but also the destination.
0: As we as we get closer to the uh, that retirement and, and 65, we're going to kind of hang there for a bit. And you really, at that point, you're assessing whether or not you really can retire or should retire, um, and you need some economic stability. And that's something else that you can help us achieve.
1: Yeah. And, you know, if they've reached 65 and they're asking this question of, I don't know if I can do this because I don't feel... Like I'll have economic stability with what I've got set aside for myself. I mean, that that's an unfortunate place to be if 65 was your goal, but sometimes it's, sometimes it's the reality is, you know, life happens and it's not always anyone's fault, but maybe something occurred where you, you couldn't save for a while, or you needed to help a family member. And now you've reached 65 and you just don't have quite enough put away. Well, it doesn't need to be the number you can work longer. If either you feel you need to, or. Um, if working longer just isn't a problem, that's the lifestyle choice you've made. But economic stability is always one of the keys. Is, you know, people don't want to just see on paper that, hey, I've got potentially enough money, but when we run the odds, it's not always working out. They want to see you know, those calculations with a pretty high level of certainty so they feel like you know, no matter what comes at me in retirement or what surprises the market brings, Um, I can absorb it and I can continue to do what I wanted to do.
0: And, you know, you talk about working longer and more and more people are working longer and some because they want to, some because they need to. But the bottom line is, yeah, we people are working way past 70, even 75. In fact, I just read a story that said there are 650,085-year-olds still working.
1: Right. Well, and there's a number of reasons that could be the case. I mean, first off, you know, people always say of of other ages, you know, um, you know 60 is the new 50 or 45, right? I mm-hmm. mean, we have the ability to, you know, live longer and be healthier at you know, older ages. And, you know, in some cases, why stop? Why stop doing what you're doing, especially if you found you know, kind of that, I'll put quotes around this, you know, that vocation that is your vacation and you love what you do. And every day you go, it's rewarding. Um, And why would you stop? Keep going until uh, there's a reason not to anymore, either because your preference has changed or because maybe a health or, you know, concern or something else. But, you know, you're not forced. It's not a rule that you have to stop. Um, In addition to that, you know, some people that I've talked to um, clients and otherwise, tend to find that um, they just feel better. They feel healthier when they're working. Um, It's tough for them when they don't have that same sense of purpose day to day. Um, And that can be a factor as well, having that sense of accomplishment on a daily basis that you get as part of, you know, going to work and accomplishing what they do. And so all of this is a balancing act. There's obviously different preferences that people have. There's other things going on in their life in terms of health or uh, family situations, uh, where they're at in their savings, and we just, in the end, it's all about the client deciding for themselves, but making the most informed decision they can because we've laid it out for them in a way that makes it simpler and easier for a decision to be made.
0: The the 65-year-old or that, that number at 65 to retire, that changed back in 1983 uh, because that's when Congress re- Sort of re-im- reimagined retirement. So again, um, your your full retirement age is now anywhere between sixty six and sixty seven. Correct.
1: Right. That's. Um, that's where it was pushed then. And now at this point, um, yeah, we're seeing it even tick up a little beyond that as well. Right. Um, we're seeing the full retirement age push back a little bit. And then also, as you and I have discussed in the past, we're seeing that um, age where you would need to take distribu- required minimum distributions push back as well. Um, I think this is just an acknowledgement again, of the same thing we were just discussing. People are living longer, healthier retirements. They're able to do more for longer in terms of being active whether it's in a profession that they love or just doing things early in their retirement like travel and uh, you know whatever it is that they have on their bucket list and it just changes the math in terms of a realistic starting point because of how you know how long and healthy we could potentially live you know to be in terms of a you know a full retirement being 30 40 years so I, all of that's acknowledged in some of these things that are you know, slightly moving in terms of whether it's a social security age or the required minimum distributions. All right.
0: And, you know, so we can we can claim social security as early as 62. The downside to that is it's a much lower payment than you would get if you waited until your full retirement age or
1: until you're 70. Right. Again, it's a no one size fits all approach to this either. It's going to be based on uh quite a few factors that go into making that decision and in some cases as strategic and as mathematically sound as our approach is um a client will hit us back with the comment of you know what i don't think i'm gonna live beyond age x and so i'm gonna take it now or i want to live my focus on having a retirement early if it means I need to live on less later, I'm okay with it. Um, others might say, you know, I want to know exactly how I can get the most bang for my buck, assuming a standard to fairly long retirement and living to a, a very healthy old age, even, you know, projecting out to ages that are pretty far out, you know, 100 you know, or 105, something like that. Yeah, saying it's not I want to be conser- conservative on the the side of projecting longevity to make sure that I don't underplan, and then based on that, you know, whatever age I get the most bang for my buck, let's do that. Um, and you come across all these different situations, and again. That's where I always say the financial plan might tell us one thing is optimal. And then at the end, the client's going to take that information. And if they have a reason to, um, you know, still tweak their approach, you know, whether it's based on family history and health or something else, that's their, their right, right? Mm-hmm. It was our job to, to give them all the information and data points so they can make the most informed decision and then they still get to make the decision because they're always in the driver's seat.
0: All right. Well, Daniel, we have, uh, again, worked our way into the clock and uh, let's let's invite folks to call. We've still got some spots available. Excellent.
1: Uh, well, to our listeners today, you know, I, I, I'm stressing a lot of points today about, you know, an advisor, how we work, the things we do. But I can't stress enough if you're listening um, and whether you work with an advisor or you've never done this before, you know, taking the step to either getting a second opinion or to getting that initial consultation is the most important step you can take and seeing if there's anything you could be doing that could be better and better your situation. Um, That first meeting that we have, there's no cost, no obligation. um, And in that financial review, we'll provide a couple of things. First off, we'll do a fee report and a risk assessment of your investment portfolio to see how you sit today, Uh, your risk-reward, if you will, balance. Are you getting the most bang for your buck for how you're invested? Um, And even beyond that, are you taking unnecessary risk? And if we could avoid potential losses down the road, could that be really meaningful for your plan and your ability to retire? We'll also do a tax analysis to reveal how you could possibly reduce your taxes, increase your cash flow in retirement. And then lastly, we will provide a customized income plan, something that takes a look at where you're at today, what your retirement uh, needs are gonna be, if there's any gap in the income that you'll have available to you. And then with that, all the options that we could use to fill that gap, um, such that you get that retirement paycheck on a month to month basis, that's gonna cover your needs, but still allow you the ability to invest for growth beyond that. This comprehensive financial review, uh, we find, you know, tends to give people clarity so that if you're gonna work with us and engage with us, you understand where we're going. And if not, I think you'll still leave that first meeting feeling like you've got a clearer picture of where you're going, and obviously some guidance initially on things you could be doing. So I think it's time well spent. We love doing it. And uh, again, no cost, no obligation. Just give us a call and we'll get it set up for you.
0: Sounds great, Daniel. 888-908-0503. You're going to get that opportunity to sit down and put together a financial roadmap. It's really why we give you the opportunity. Take advantage of this complimentary review today by calling 888-908-0503. 888-908-0503. Hey, we do need to take a break. But when we come back, we're going to jump into some questions from listeners that at Are back on Capital Insights with Daniel Meyer and consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Uh we've been having a great conversation talking about, you know, how to pick a financial advisor. What what do you look for? How do you know what you're looking for? Well, I think uh, Daniel, you sort of gave us some great insight there in terms of the kinds of things that we should be looking for. Can I ask you this? So we know what we should be looking for. Is there anything that that stands out as a as a red flag that we should stay away from if if somebody
1: says something? Um, you know, I. I, I mentioned before, you know, that, you know, I've got my preferences and it's, it's not really my place to say that the way we work is better than the way someone else works. Um, so I guess I'll just answer this in a simple way. Trust your gut when you talk to somebody. Uh, first off, we talked about making sure you're clear um, in regards to how the advisor is compensated. Um, if something there doesn't feel right to you. Um, It's never bad to talk to more than one advisor when you're looking to hire someone to help you with something as important as this, just like you would with your health. If your health, if you had a major issue you're working through um, and you went to a doctor and you didn't quite feel right about uh, the direction they said they were going to go regarding treatment, you may seek a second opinion before you get a major operation, Mm -hmm. right? Um, When you talk about your finances and the importance of getting things right and also the implications of not getting it right. Um, in terms of your financial future, I mean, this is important stuff. And um, making up for, you know, a potential misstep or a missed opportunity um, can take time and can be a big impact. So it is important to feel like you're getting good advice, and that there's proper expertise in place to, uh, to guide you. So trust your gut. Um, I would also say, um, if you're able to, you know, look for a group that operates as a team. I always think that you know more heads are better than than one, two, three, four. Um, that team approach a lot of times brings varying varying you know areas of specialty. Um, everyone may be coming to that with a different background in terms of the types of clients they've worked with, the situations they've come across, and you're just increasing your odds of getting advice that is you know not just unique to you and uh, the ongoing process being unique to you, but also, um, having members of that team, you know, that have worked through situations in the past, similar to yours, and really feel comfortable with their approach and how to handle it. So,
0: so in your nearly 20 years of, of doing this, obviously, you've built up a pretty big client base. And do you get a lot of referrals?
1: Yeah, that's the primary way that I, I meet new clients. Okay. Um, when you, so when people... you talked earlier, yeah, about like, how do people go out and meet new advisors, Right. Um, I very (laughs) conveniently stated, well, sometimes they listen to a fantastic show on the radio. Sometimes they do feel, feel great about what they're hearing and they call in and they have a first meeting and everything is fantastic. And, and hopefully everybody listening, that's exactly, uh, how you meet your next advisor. Right. But, um, I do think that, you know, when you get a referral from a client, um, it's an incredible, um, First off, it feels great because it it tells you that the client felt good enough about everything you've been doing together um, that they, they they think that if I refer a family member or a friend, I'm, I have such a high level of confidence that they'll also have a good experience that I'm willing to do so. I'm willing to give you uh, the information to reach out to them and see if you can help them as well. It, it's not often because uh, somebody feels like, oh, my neighbor, Jane needs help she really needs someone to set her on the right path more often it's oh we've had such a great experience um you know we want it we want other people to have that experience as well and it's just it's just a great honor and it's you know largely how i've been able to build my business
0: all right Fair, fair enough 888-908-0503 if you'd like to give daniel a call all right let's jump into some of these questions while we still got time i'm going to start with kenneth if that's okay Uh, Kenneth Kenneth was saying, I was listening to the show a few weeks ago and heard Dan mentioning the concept of minimalism. Please refresh my memory. Why would minimalism be relevant to a financial advisor? Ooh, I
1: like that. Oh, it's, that's jumping right in. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, let me give as much context to this as possible, because that's a great question and also probably seems counterintuitive. Why would an advisor ever talk about a concept like minimalism, where, you know, the focus is owning less or having less, right? Um, Which is not necessarily what minimalism is, but that's one of the common thoughts out there about what it means. And the reason we were talking about it is, you know, we were going through some of the different ways to rethink or reframe your approach to designing your retirement. And I think minimalism has so many different Um, useful nuggets and messages built within it that can help most people just have a new perspective on what they're doing and you know specifically that idea that it's not owning less it's owning the right things and then not owning the things that are just going to take up time effort and cost you money uh, that may get in the way of you doing more with your time that you're freeing up because you don't have unnecessary time spent always recleaning the house and the garage and the basement and everywhere and reorganizing everything and oh, yeah. getting rid of all the clutter. I mean, one of my favorite things is when I clear. You know, I've got four kids, so there's clutter all the time, right? Yes, but I was. When I clean a space so. and you put the final piece of whatever the mess was, the clutter was back, and you've got a new clean slate, a new clean space. Um, I love that feeling, and so think about that when it comes to organizing how you're going to prioritize your time. And if through going through the process of learning about minimalism doesn't mean you have to, you know, not live a very lavish lifestyle. You can live whatever lifestyle you want, but make sure that you own the things that fit what you like to do with your time. And if you're able to, as a result of learning these things, free up some time, that could mean more time for your life with family to go after your bucket list. Um, I've had several clients where, um, they're very devout and they live a life of faith, but they feel like there's no time to do so. And that's been their approach is I want to build time in my everyday life to practice my faith and learning about minimalism so that they could find the time was, was the approach they took. But that time can mean anything to you. That's, that's up to you. So that's, that's what minim, the context we were using minimalism okay. for was that, that, that rethinking process so that you can really get um, a future picture that is what you actually want to have.
0: Well, Kenneth, give us a call uh, to have a, further that conversation, 888-908-0503. Um, okay, based on time, I'm, I'm just going to go to uh, Phyllis. Uh, Phyllis okay. says, I recently turned 54 and began looking into long-term care insurance. Now, I did a preliminary search online and was surprised to find out how much long-term care insurance costs. On the other hand, the thought of needing care and throwing my family into a financial turmoil as a result turns my stomach. Now, I know a lot of people my age, nearing retirement, that don't have it. Is there a general rule of thumb you use that might help me decide?
1: Um Phyllis, I apologize. But um, I tend not to be a rule of thumb person. (laughs) So um, it's a great question. And you're right, long term care insurance, um, especially when you compare it to other insurances usually feels like it has a higher price tag. um, And that it's going to cost you more money. And that's not untrue. But let's think about insurance, even at a higher level, just for a minute. Um, So stay with me here. We insure our home, right? We insure our cars if we want to drive them on the road. Many cases, we insure our life. Um, and I, I don't want to give the exact figures because I'll, I'll botch them here. But, you know, I think the number, if you think about what, it, what is the, are the odds of you having a total loss of your home and a fire and a flood, something like that. And the odds are not great. You know, it's one in, I think it was like 12,000 or something. That may not be the exact number, but in relation to needing, you know, life insurance or other insurances, but especially long-term care. The uh, idea here is it costs more because you're very likely going to use it and have the benefit pay out to you. We insure a lot of things in, um you know, property, cars, other things where we pay month after month after month and fingers crossed, hopefully we never have to use them. We don't want to have to use them, um, but we had the insurance in case we did. With long-term care, a lot of times we find that You know, the benefit is going to be potentially worth the cost. And I applaud you for taking a look at 54 because many times I have the same question or the same comment come to me from someone who's 64 or 65. Mm -hmm. And at that point, the cost is much higher. And, uh, you know, it may be a hurdle that's just a little too high. But, you know, looking earlier, locking something in, relieving some of that cost burden by spreading the cost out uh, over more years pre retirement can be a way to make sure that you have the proper coverage and you don't put that burden on your family like you said.
0: So there is a there, there are a lot of hybrid policies out there now too that that you know annuities specifically that that you can put a long-term care rider in.
1: Right. I mean it can be with an annuity, it can be with a, a life insurance policy potentially.
0: All right. 888-908-0503 and uh, again on that note we got to uh, we got to wrap this up, Daniel. Let's uh,
1: do it one more time. Sounds good. Well, to our listeners today, um, you know, we've covered a lot of ground. We've talked about, you know, what an advisor is, what they do, some of the questions that we get. Um, if you still have additional questions or you want to get more details, give us a call, come in and talk to us. Not only will you learn more about how we can serve you, what it could mean to you, and what the impact long term could be, um, but we'll also get into some specific, tangible, you know, details that you'll be able to take away from that first meeting. So it's not just, you know kind of the overall conceptual theoretical what does an advisor do but we're going to give you actually three things in that first meeting we'll do a fee report and a risk assessment of your investment portfolio look at the risk return balance that you have make sure that you're getting the most bang for your buck we'll do a tax analysis to see how you could possibly reduce taxes down the line and in retirement and we'll also develop a customized income plan these pieces Build a comprehensive financial review that really can inform you in terms of where you're at and where you're going. There's no cost, no obligation to do this review. Um, if you decide to work with us, we will work with you in implementing this plan and putting the pieces in place to make sure, you know, between where you're at now and where you want to go, you've got a path. Um, even if that's not the case, I'm telling you, sitting down and getting on top of these things is time well spent and you will leave with a lot of of useful information that you can take advantage of.
0: Perfect. 888-908-0503. That's the number. And, you know, that's our goal here at the show is just to help you make the best decision for you. So if you've got questions about what we've been talking about today, how it might be applied in your own situation, Daniel can help. Give him a call 888-908-0503, 908 503 Well, Daniel, as always a pleasure to be here and, and have these conversations. The information is so important for folks to hear.
1: I agree. And I love doing it. We always have a great conversation. And, you know, this profession of being a financial advisor is not always easy to understand. And I love being able to go through it and, uh, a more comprehensive format like we do. And I think uh, for those listening, hopefully you're finding it helpful because we enjoy discussing it. And from those we've heard from, it sounds like you're enjoying hearing it. So it's a win-win, right, Steve?
0: Win-win, exactly. One more time on the phone number. It's 888 908 We really appreciate everybody listening and we're going to come back next week with more questions.